0: It all comes down to this. The Big East Championship game. Madison Square Garden. 630. Fox. Creighton. Villanova. How did we get here? You'll find out here on this episode of The Igloo. Episode 199. So with Selection Sunday on the horizon... That means the historic 200th episode of the Igloo is also on the horizon. Thanks for tuning in. A lot of great content to get to from last night. First and foremost, the fact that we had a shocking semi-final result. You know, of the five games that were canceled in the Big East this year, three of them were Providence games. And one of those was supposed to be a game in Omaha where the Friars would take on Creighton. Now, we all know what happened when they met for the only time this year back on February 26, two weeks ago today, where Providence ran Creighton out of the dunk. 72-51 72-51 to claim their first ever Big East regular season title. But it was a different course of events on Friday. And the thing is, it was tied at 25. With 6:41 remaining in the first half. And then Creighton. From that point until... The 15-13 mark of the second half, they went on a 31-2 run. 31-2, and the luck of the Friars ran out, and it ran out in a rather emphatic way. So the Blue Jays, without Ryan Nemhard, they beat Marquette on Thursday, and they steamroll Providence on Friday. And I use the word steamroll because of the fact that one of the original NFL teams back in 1920 was a team called the Providence Steamrollers. Blue Jays win 85 to 58, and I mean, Creighton was on fire from three early, and they really fizzled out. So they they went nine for 23 from deep, but, but I mean, at one point, I mean, they were eight for 18. Alex O'Connell with 18 points, 5 of 10 from the floor, 4 for 6 from behind the arc. Arthur Kaluma, I mean, he was cooking in the in the first half. 17 points, 6 of 12 from the floor, 2 for 5 from deep. He did foul out, and then Ryan Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander each had 15. And I've harped on the fact that when Creighton wins most of the time it's because Ryan Hawkins has a good game and they won by almost 30 despite the fact that Hawkins only had eight points in this game it was 0 for 5 from behind the arc eight points 12 rebounds that's all he got Rodion on played 28 minutes because Trey Alexander picked up two early fouls and he came up big seven points two of five from the floor one of two from behind the arc four boards three assists Keshaw Fiesel got a put-back dunk in the second half. And then Devin Davis knocked down a three late in the game. Creighton as a team, 52.6% from the floor. Very impressive shooting day. And inside the arc, they were 21 of 34. So that was, I mean, really, really impressive just... An incredibly dominant performance, mirroring what Providence did to them at the dunk, and probably exceeded that. So here's what Coach McDermott had to say after the game, and I got to ask him, you know, a quote that he referenced yesterday. Well, the day before was the fact that when they went to the dunk, not even the Gold State Warriors was going to beat the t- beat Providence that night with that environment. Different circumstances, but. I kind of asked him, you know, could the Golden State Warriors beat your team tonight with the way they played? So, here's his opening statement, and then my question to him, and how he responded uh, to that question I asked him.
1: Uh, you know, we beat a really good team, uh, championship team, and we, we did it our way. Uh, we did it with defense. Uh, they really hurt us from the three-point line at their place. Uh, we knew we had to clean that up. And you know we're blessed with the ability, uh, not many teams in our conference level in the country can play Nate Watson one-on-one. And because we have Brian Cockburner, we can. And uh, that allows us to take some other stuff away. Um, but our young team doesn't play like a young team anymore. Uh, they've really grown up. Uh, I told Arthur this a couple weeks ago. He's made the most progress of anybody in our program from the first practice till today. Uh, his everyday everyday work ethic in practice, outside of practice, and then gradually learning how we play and how he can be effective and efficient within that system. He's really slowed down uh, and the, you know the fruits of his labor are paying off now for him and for us uh, and then you know Alex has been kind of mirrored in a shooting slump uh, but he hasn't wavered in his confidence, and he hasn't wavered in getting extra shots up after practice. And when the lights were the brightest tonight, he came out of it. So, you know, really proud of this team. Um, obviously, you know, Providence has had a heck of a year, and you know, they're going to be a tough out for anybody in the NCAA tournament. I wish them all the best. Uh, but you know, this is a, a really good win for our program, and, uh, and we've been this is our fourth time in the championship game. In the eight or nine years we've been in the league and, and uh, we haven't been able to quite kick that door down and you know, hopefully tomorrow's that uh, the
0: time to do that coach and you referenced that quote that you had yesterday about when you went to Providence a couple weeks ago you said not even the Golden State Warriors could have gone in there and beaten them that night with the way your team played tonight can you say the same about um, you know the two guys sitting next to you and the rest of your squad
1: you know, we made some shots tonight, and let's face it, it's kind of a make shot, miss, miss shot game. And we had some go in. And you know, our defense is pretty good. You know, we lead the league in defense, uh, and you know, we're we're comfortable with teams taking certain shots against us. And I think we forced Providence into a lot of mid range stuff. Uh, and and uh, you know, I think that frustrated them. And uh, but you know, this we we were pretty special tonight on both ends of the floor and those possessions early in the second half. Uh, when you knew Providence was going to try to make a run, we made him take some tough shots. before forced back-to-back shot clock violations. Uh, I mean, that's against a really, really good team. So we, we've made, we've grown leaps and bounds defensively uh, from the start of the season, and, and you know, it's it's what you have to have if you're going to win in a tournament like this and win in the NCAA tournament.
0: Now, on the Providence side, I mean, they got they got hit in the mouth, and really, the only guy that could get anything going was Al Durham. 7 of 12 from the floor. 2 for 4 from deep. And the rest of Providence, by the way, from deep outside of Durham was 1 for 20. And the only other guy to make a 3 was Bryson Goody. A.J. Reeves had 8 points. 4 of 12 from the floor. 0 for 5 from deep. Nate Watson held to just 5 points. And... It's crazy that no one can really hold Watson down that well, except maybe Creighton. That's it. Because Creighton has the size to deal with him with Kalkbrenner, the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Justin Maniah only had three points, one of seven from the floor, over five deep. Noah Horkler just two points off from the free throw line. But, I mean, the bench did contribute a little bit. Gooding with five. Jared Bynum also had 5 points, but I mean, he was just 2-for-12 from the floor, over for 4 from deep, 5 points, 5 rebounds, 0 assists in 27 minutes. Ed Croswell had 2 points, all from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, and was 0-for-4 from the floor. And then Alan Breed was the leading scorer off the bench with 7 points in 10 minutes, 3-for-6 from the floor. And he did commit 4 fouls in those 10 minutes. So yeah, Providence got punched in the mouth. And despite getting blown out that badly, Ed Cooley remained pretty level-headed and was definitely processing everything rather well. So here's what he had to say first in his opening statement, and then I got to ask him about a similar result from earlier in the year when Marquette blew the doors off of them by 32 in Milwaukee. Back on January 4th. And from there, they rattled off a bunch of wins in a row and wouldn't lose again until February 15th. Which was six weeks after that loss. Exactly six weeks. And it, the response you're going to hear from Ed Cooley, it might surprise you. And it might have been my favorite moment of this tournament so far. So here's what Ed Cooley had to say after the game. And, of course, my question to Ed and his surprising response uh, to said question.
2: Take a deep breath on that one. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to unwind in there right there. You know, you got to give. I thought Creighton played great. I thought they played well yesterday. They had great energy that carried over today. And, you know, we just, again, again, something that caught us. uh, But the energy was tough. Um, I thought we pressed and it just snowballed and snowballed. I thought with Preston, we, we didn't play well, call it what it is. They, they played well and we didn't and they were a big reason why. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for Coach McDermott, really, really happy for him. I'm happy, uh, he's great for our league, All right, He's done great in this league. I think he's been in this championship game now maybe three or four times. And his team really earned it, right? We picked a bad time to play bad and in a great arena, unbelievable crowds. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have an opportunity to coach today. So. I am very, very proud of our team. I told them, you know, you can't just look at this game and we can be upset, we can be hurt, we can be mad, but you know, our job is to respond. And I think we earned the right to play next week. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that we played bad today, but it's a game and there's another 40 minute opportunity waiting for us some, uh, some four or five days from now. So, um, but credit credit, they were big time today, made shots and um, we just didn't. And then I think they had a lot to do with Really happy for them. Hurting for our players. Life will move on, and we'll we'll look we'll forward to preparation and practice, and see where we're going next week.
0: Coach, back on January fourth, Marquette beat you by thirty-two, and you responded from that by winning your next eight straight. So, with this loss from tonight, how confident are you, knowing that they responded by getting hot and stringing a lot of wins in a row, that you could do the same in the NCAA tournament next week?
2: You know, what's funny was in the locker room. I mean, that's exactly. Great question. That's exactly what I told my team. But we don't need to win eight. Just just six. Whatever it is, I know it's not eight.
0: On to the main event of the night. I mean, obviously, the atmosphere was far more electric for this one. UConn, Villanova. I mean, this was a battle all throughout. And this was the kind of battle we deserve between two teams like that. And UConn, there were times where they looked like they were in control. But then Villanova snatched it right from them. They went up five with a big run towards the end of the first half. And UConn got it down to one. And actually, after the Villanova five-point lead happened, UConn took a 32-30 lead. But Villanova ended the half with a Jermaine Samuels three-point play to go up one at the break. Pretty even for most of the second half. Then Villanova looked like they were going to pull away. They they took an eight point lead with right, right around the halfway mark of the second half, but UConn they wouldn't be they wouldn't go away. And similar to the game at Hartford, Villanova nearly coughed it up. But in the end, the Wildcats, they hold on and win 63-60. to Jermaine Samuels, who didn't even start yesterday. He came off the bench due to back spasms instead of usually starting. He started this game. No one thought he was going to play in this game either. But he scored 21 points and had 12 rebounds. 7 of 17 from the floor, 3 of 8 from deep. Brandon Slater with 5 of 8 from the floor and 3 for 6 from 3, 15 points, 4 rebounds, and a monster block of Tyrese Martin in the second half, denying him a big-time dunk. Justin Moore with only 6 points, Eric Dixon, 5 points, 2 of 2 from the floor, made his only 3-point attempt, and that 3 gave Nova their biggest lead of the night. And Colin Gillespie, the biggest player of the year, only 5 points, 2 of 5 from the floor, 0 for 2 from deep, but 10 assists. And just one turnover. And, you know, Dan Hurley even said you would think that in a game where they denied more in Gillespie as much as they did, holding them to six and five points respectively. The question he would have asked was, you know, how many points did we win by? But Villanova will beat you in so many different ways. And a guy who contributed big time, Jordan Longino, had 5 points off the bench in 10 minutes. This is a guy who barely played a Big East play. Now he's come up big here in New York. And the Caleb Daniels, 6 points, 2 of 10 from the floor, 2 for 6 from deep. I mean, UConn was out-rebounded by 10, 40 to 30. But their efficiency from the floor, the fact that they were 7 of 8 from the free throw line, their only miss at the very end, with Gillespie shockingly short-rimming the second shot, which allowed a potential last-second half-court heat from Tyrese Martin that obviously missed. But the play of the night, though, as I mentioned, it was Brandon Slater's block of Tyrese Martin in the second half. Here's what Slater had to say about the chaotic sequence. Brandon, do you mind walking me through the sequence where, obviously, it was helter skelter. Martin's going up for the dunk, and you meet him at the rim and deny him.
1: Uh, honestly, uh, it was it was just a play. Uh, Try to go make a play for my teammates and my coaches, and then uh, I, I saw him go up, and I felt like I could test it. And when I got up, it just so happened that I, I got lucky and <laughs> I got the block.
0: As for UConn, another gut wrenching semifinal loss. And by the way. The final score prediction I had for that game, I had Villanova winning 63-59, and it ended up 63-60, so make of that what you will, but knowing how damn close I was, feeling awfully confident about the final score prediction you might hear for tonight's championship game, but anyways, for the Huskies... It was Tyrese Martin leading the way with 19 points, 7 of 17 from the floor, 4 for 8 from behind the arc. Adamus Onogo, much better in this game, 15 points, 13 rebounds, 6 of 15 from the floor. Looked a lot more like the kind of guy we saw get named to the All-Big Tournament team last year. And to the all biggies first team in the regular season this year. R.J. Cole had 11 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, 3 for 9 from the floor, but just 1 of 6 from behind the arc. Andre Jackson with 10 points, 4 of 10 from the floor, 2 for 5 from deep. And the last 3 he made that cut it down to 62-60 late, got a very friendly roll from the front of the rim. And it just bounced right in. And then the only Husky to score off the bench was Tyler Polly in 21 minutes, 2 for 4 from the floor, 1 for 3. From deep, and Jalen Gaffney was the only other guy to play in this game for UConn, playing just three minutes off the bench. And yeah, Jordan Hawkins' absence definitely hindered them a little bit. The Huskies, from the floor, they were just right around 38%, and 8 for 22 from deep compared to Villanova. I mean, Villanova three-point-wise, in terms of their percentage, was worse, but they did make 10 of those on 30 attempts. So yeah, shooting percentage wise they were worse, but the fact they made two more threes, ten to eight, that's plus six, makes a difference. So here's what Coach Hurley had to say after a pretty tough loss, but obviously he's got his sights set on bigger and better things in the NCAA tournament starting next week. I'd
2: say this, you know, if you said to me just going into the game that um you know, we would hold Gillespie to five uh you know, five on only five shot attempts um, you know more to six points uh, you know on, on, on three for nine shooting and Daniels two for ten so you know five six and six I'd probably say happy we win by you know the plan was to you know make uh, you'll know, make their others beat us and, and guys that um, you know, guys that you know for the season or throughout their career, if, They were shot in the high 20s and low 30s for three. Stepped up tonight uh, in Slater and Samuels and
0: um, and, won that game. All righty, y'all. It's time. Championship preview. Creighton-Villanova. And quite honestly, you would think that this was supposed to be the championship game last year because these were the top two teams in the conference a year ago. The clear top two in the league. And yet, here they are meeting for the championship this year. You know, you would expect Villanova to get here. They were the preseason favorite in the conference. Preseason top five team in the country. But I don't think anyone could have anticipated Creighton being here. You know, losing all five starters. A young team with a boatload of freshmen. Yeah, you definitely would not have anticipated preseason them being here. And I don't think you would have anticipated them being here tonight without Nemhard. Maybe with him, but without him, probably not. Because without him, coming into this tournament, they had lost two of three. Losing at Providence and at home to Seton Hall, but a good win over UConn. But since then beat Marquette by double digits, and blew out Providence. So momentum is very much so on the Blue Jay side. Villanova, though, I mean, they've eked out two wins, two close wins, over longtime Big East rivals in St. John's and UConn. But now they get a Creighton team who they dismantled for the title five years ago. And for Creighton, this is their fourth championship game, and they have yet to get over the hump. They've lost three title games now, 2014 to Providence, the aforementioned 2017 loss of Villanova, and then, of course, last year to Georgetown. Creighton, I guarantee you they will not allow what happened last year to happen again in the title game because Georgetown ran them out of the building. They will put up a much better fight in this one. I mean, and, you know, I really believe that they will contest this game a lot better than most people think. Villanova's a seven-point favorite, which I think is pretty accurate. But it's either going to, for me, it's either going to be right on the nose at seven or Villanova will cover because I know Villanova has won two close games in this tournament. I think by this point they're going to get a win where it can be more comfortable. What are the keys? Well, for Creighton, Ryan Hawkins, you know, they won big time without him having a big game. And apparently the bathrobe that He was seen wearing yesterday, apparently gave him and the team superpowers, I think. And he wore it again today for breakfast, so, I mean, usually good luck will be on the Blue Jays' side if that's the case. But, if I'm calling it like I see it, and don't get me wrong, Hawk's a funny dude, as I've illustrated earlier this week. But, my heart wants Creighton Because of the whole bathrobe storyline. I think it's hilarious. But my brain is just telling me Villanova. And my score pick. Kind of similar. To the 2017 score. Although it will be a couple off. I got Villanova winning. 72 to 60. So that does it for episode 199. Here on the Igloo this has been an exhausting week but you know the thrilling conclusion of it all is tonight. Again, make sure to watch the Big East championship game on Fox at 6 tip-off is at 6:30. Coverage begins at 6. So, but for those of you who will be at the garden, I mean this just this is the last chance basically, you know, to say what's up to me. I plan on being there early. I want to roam around the garden. Say hi to as many of you as humanly humanly possible that will be there. I know I saw my guy Cody. I know I saw Pat Madden and a bunch of other people. But it's not over yet. And if you're going to be at the title game tonight, again, hit me up on Twitter. Message me at TheRealTimmyIce. And let's link up. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Again, if you'll be at the game, hit me up and we'll link up. But if but if you're not there, make sure to watch it. Coverage begin, begins at six six o'clock on Fox with tip off at six thirty with the great duo of Gus Johnson and Jim Jackson on the call. Thanks for tuning in again. I'll see you tomorrow for the big one, episode number two hundred of the Igloo and Selection Sunday. And for that, I mean, listen, it's episode two hundred, Selection Sunday, trying to pull some strings to get something big going. I mean, listen, y- y'all heard the 100th episode. It was a big deal. 200 won't be as much of a big deal, but I'm going to try to make sure I, le- I at least get one big time guest to talk bracketology and all that jazz. So I'll try to update as best I can regarding who will be on. But again, just make sure to uh, tune into that 200th episode again tomorrow. And thanks for tuning to this one and every other episode prior to this one, especially throughout this March marathon. Always appreciate your love and support. Enjoy the game tonight, whether it be watching it from home or in person. And I'll see you tomorrow for for the big one, episode number two hundred of the Igloo.